Hey, Darian. Hey, Toby. It's been a while. It has been a minute. <laughs> should do a I World know. Cup podcast. I know. Yeah, ex- exactly. It's still relevant. It's always still relevant. Yeah, we yeah. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to do something that I think will be a, a pretty a pretty short putt today of connecting something in the kind of our contemporary tech world to a, an old work of literature. Um, oh. In part because... Like, the, like this like, is this a one-to-one relationship of tech to to 19th century literature? Well, in this case, 16th century literature. But oh. um, sometimes what's so great about using narratives and stories and this sort of thing as a, a form of explanation is that we've actually internalized these stories in really deep ways, and they show up axiomatically uh, over and over and over again in culture. Axiomatically, so, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is to say, yeah, like little bits of it, like memes of these stories. (laughs) I like that. I like that (laughs) memes are axiomatic. Yeah, like a bunch of people just shut off the pod. Yeah, (laughs) get out of here. (laughs) It's good. It's good. It's going to improve everyone's SAT scores. There we go. Um, And so the story that I'm talking about is uh, Faustus. Uh, the ah. version that's that's perhaps most famous is the Christopher Marlowe version, although it circulated in many versions in Germany before that. Uh, and then also, of course, there's Thomas Thomas Mann's Doctor Faust and this sort of stuff. But or Goethe, don't yes, don't, don't oh, Goethe. Yeah. Oh Goethe, yeah. Yui. We can edit this out. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. He's like he, every every German out there always references the lack of reference to Goethe as being the reason <laughs> why like the world still hates Germans. I think but it's like, because don't you realize that. People are like, this do you mean Goeth? And it's like, no. Goeth. <laughs> oh, Goeth. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Goethe. It's a weird pronunciation. Um, so Faust, it, it actually travels around in all kinds of things. Whenever you see the good devil and the angel on someone's shoulders, that's often a reference um, mm-hmm. back to this thing. And then also selling your soul to the devil, of course, is a reference to this very popular kind of story tradition of Faust, this idea that you could trade your soul for everything that you want. Um, mm-hmm. And so today I wanted to talk about end-user license agreements, which is the little things you click I agree to without reading 99% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the, the question I want to pose to our audience is, do end-user license agreements involve selling your soul to the devil? And I wanted to uh. briefly read uh, the end-user license agreement from Faust, uh, because indeed there is actually one that you can set up for your own soul, should you so oh. uh, desire. That's amazing. So yeah, right. this is we got to do this. All right, I want I want the I want the devil's eula. Hi, this is Darian Bates, and this is Dr. Tobias Wilson Bates, and this is the stories we tell our robots. It's the podcast about how we make our technology and how our technology makes us. He's doing this with Mephistopheles, so he's like, he's got kind of a customer service person from the devil. Um, said, then, then hear me read them. On these conditions following, first, that Faustus may be a spirit in form and substance. Secondly, that Mephistopheles shall be his servant and at his command. Thirdly, that Mephistopheles shall, shall do for him and bring him whatsoever he desires. Fourthly, that he shall be in his chamber or house invisible. Lastly, that he, he shall appear, appear to the said John Faustus at all times in what form or shape soever he please. 
I, John Faustus of Wurttemberg, doctor by these presents, do give both body and soul to Lucifer, prince of the east, and his minister, Mephistopheles, and furthermore grant unto them that, twenty-four years being expired, the articles above written in violet, full power to fetch or carry the said John Faustus body and soul, flesh, blood, or goods, into their habitation wheresoever by me, John Faustus. Wow. I think there's a couple... Wow, that's amazing. First of all, I love that there's also like a service level agreement on this. Yeah, that, yeah. It's also like, we'll be there seven, you know, 24 hours, seven days a week. I, like, if, if this were a tech EULA, you would just simply have with a 99.6% uptime. <laughs> I, think, I think that's... I feel like, uh, um, if anything, I feel like maybe the devil isn't quite ready to make that kind of commitment. Yeah, and I, I love the little stipulations. Full power to fetch or carry. Or carry. <laughs> yes. It, it really makes you realize how far, how, how not far we've traveled in terms of uh, not, maybe even literally language, at least from a legal standpoint. I still feel like legal standpoint, uh, legal language does feel a little bit like reading Christopher Marlowe sometimes. So, th so if that's a deal with the devil, I guess the question, um, are we signing them and what are we getting out of it? That's a, those are great questions, and to be fair, given uh, our, our lack of dealings with devils, uh, I've brought in an expert. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't deal with the devil, but does run a lab that deals with end-user license agreements, um, and as such, I, has a, really, a lot of really great stuff to say. This is a Professor David Young from Georgia Tech that I, that I spoke to about the topic. All right, so I'm here today with Assistant Professor of Technical Communication, yep. David Young, yep. at the Georgia Institute of Technology, uh, and we're talking about end-user license agreements. That's correct. So That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, by design, may be the most boring topic in tech, so uh, buckle up, everyone listening to this. <laughs> it's going to be a doozy, I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming, David. I was, I was wondering if you could begin just by explaining what an end-user license agreement is. Okay, so uh, I'll start out by saying, you know, I'm not a lawyer by any means. Um, but given the work that we do with the Responsible End-User License Agreement Lab here on campus, um, I've had to kind of up my game in terms of understanding what a user agreement actually is. And so basically an end-user license agreement is uh, a document that sets forth rules, policies, that are going to govern your interaction as a user uh, with a particular piece of technology. Right. And we run into them constantly. Whenever you have to click one of those, I agree. Right. Or... That's usually people's first, you know, they think about an end user license agreement. And they're like, oh, yeah, I just click I agree and keep it moving. Right. Right. Years right. ago, yeah, uh, Stephen Colbert made the joke that you could put Mein Kampf in the iTunes license agreement and people would just say I agree. There's a story that uh, I forget what the company was, but they put a clause in there that said there was a monetary incentive if you were to email this number or email this uh, address. Uh, with the specific information, they might give you some money. I think it was like a thousand bucks. Oh, nice! Right? But it was buried in the user agreement. <laughs> I don't think you see that much anymore. But you know, I was also reading about one where they had the person sign away their soul. Their, yeah, their yeah, soul yeah, the yeah. User license There's agreement. some that's like you know you have to live in perpetuity. You know, like you're going to guarantee that you're going to do that. Um, it's all over the place because people, <laughs> I think, EULA producers understand that. People, people just don't read those, read, the, read a user agreement, you know. And so maybe I'll start this way, and then we'll move into a specific example. Mm -hmm. What kind of thing shows up in an end-user license agreement? Uh, so, you know, I think it's really up to the organization that's producing it. I mean, each one of them has their own nuances, but typically you're going to see 
rules for conduct as a user, right? So, you know, there's certain uh, policies in terms of uh, good faith, in terms of um, how I'm going to interact with the technology. Um, it's going to tell you that you need to follow, you know, all applicable laws. It'll usually tell you that you don't, if it's software, which is where this usually pops up, it'll tell you, you know, you don't own this software. We're just licensing you a copy of it. Uh, to use under these very strict regulations. Um, the real part that's important, and I think what people often don't know, is that oftentimes in a user agreement, you're, indem you're indemnifying the organization that's put out this product, which means you're alleviating them of responsibility um, in case of um, harm, um, anything really negative that can happen, right? And so that's often a clause that'll get worked in there and it'll just say section, indemnification, and you're gonna agree to this. Right. And so this gets us to the specific topics. I think one of the weird things about end user license agreements is that in the share economy, but more broadly in this kind of in the Internet age, mm -hmm. these things have proliferated to the nth degree that we, we are clicking I agree constantly right. Uh, right. just to make it through, you know, relatively simple transactions. Mm -hmm. um, and this, and this underlies like a lot of the weird trust relationships that we participate in sure. now, something like Uber or something like Airbnb sure. or even sure. something, is there one, would there be, is there one for something like Facebook? What do you, what do you mean where? Like uh, where they, are, where they like say they're not responsible for curating your information. I don't remember ever clicking anything like that for Facebook. Oh, you're talking about in terms of the user agreement? Yeah. Yeah. So that's an interesting one too. Um, Oftentimes with these social media platforms, you're going to sign away essentially a right to the content that you put up there, right? Oh. As soon as you use a platform, you know, in most cases, that's not going to be your content anymore. Uh, in fact, there's usually a clause in there that'll say, uh, if it was somewhere like Facebook, I haven't looked over the Facebook one in, in a little while, but it'll be something along the lines of, if you post content here, uh, you give us permission to adapt, manipulate, uh, do whatever we need to with this content for whatever purpose we want. Wow, and I signed up for Facebook so long yeah, ago. And, you know, and so, like, there's all this content out there, and they can do whatever they want, put it in promotional materials. You'll be like, that's me. And you're like, nope, look at the agreement that you signed um, when you signed up for your account and just really quickly hit, I agree. Wow. Okay, so the one <laughs> that's, wow, this is, this is, this gets dark for you. Yeah, I, well, you know. <laughs> but the one we wanted to talk specifically about today is e-scooters. Right. Um, this is something that, that you pointed out to me a few months ago, and once you're looking for it, e-scooters are everywhere. everywhere. If you're in a metropolitan right. area, mm -hmm. College campus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then since then, I've been seeing more and more and more stories about e-scooters. There's right. a, a young woman who, uh, because the agreement specified that she couldn't ride on the sidewalk, rode in the street, and is now in a coma from being right. struck by a vehicle. Uh, there's a, there are problems in Seattle with people throwing their e-scooters in their local waterways. Mm -hmm. They're an environmental hazard. There are problems with disabled disability advocates suing because e-scooters are now blocking pathways that people who otherwise would have a clear sidewalk have to interact with. Right. And all of these things. And so I thought maybe we could ground our talk about end-user license agreements in e-scooters particularly. Sure. Um, sure. And this is something that your lab is looking at at the moment. Right, right, right. So our lab um, is all about advocating for ethical, responsible end-user license agreements. Like I said earlier, these agreements are usually for the protection of the people producing this technology. Um, but given that we're still dealing with users, and this is a big part of technical communication, technical communicators are always going to be advocates for users. And so 
the person who came up with the idea for this lab originally was a lawyer as well as a technical communicator. Um, so that's why, you know, there's just kind of law spin on it. Um, but over time, it's kind of passed hands into more of an advocacy, uh, really tech com issue. So how do we disseminate this information in ways where people actually do understand that this is what I'm agreeing to, especially in these weird contexts, like especially with an e-scooter. Right, right. right. Like I was looking before we got here, you know, sitting waiting, and I was like, well, let me look at this agreement again on my phone. It had been a while since I looked at it on mobile. Mm -hmm. Most people are going to use mobile devices in order when they interact with it. And it took me 35 seconds of scrolling, not reading, just scrolling on my phone, iPhone 8, I think, <laughs> um, 35 seconds of just scrolling to wow. get to the bottom of that user agreement. 35 seconds? That must... I mean, I, I don't know how fast your scroll speed is, but that Boom. sounds like <laughs> 60 or 70 pages. Oh, yeah. Well well into that, that realm, right? Wow. And so are there highlights from, from this agreement that stuck with you? Like, uh, So it, a lot of it's the typical stuff, right? Like, here's, you, you know, you're going to make sure that you abide by um, uh, regulatory laws, right? Like things you would expect to see there. Uh, things like, we advise that you wear a helmet. Um, things like, you're not going to ride with another person on the scooter. That violates the user agreement. Anything that happens afterwards, that's on you. Um, all kinds of little things that kind of pop up regarding the conduct. And most often than not, um, you're probably not going to engage with some of the issues or the ramifications in a, in a regular use. But it's that time that something does happen, that's when this user agreement really becomes very tangible all of a sudden. Um, it's unfortunate that these kind of user agreements came along with software, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's why they were necessary, because you couldn't regulate software in the same ways that you would with like a commercial, like very tangible good, right? Right. Um, and oftentimes you'd be okay. Like, let's say a video game, right? We look through a lot of EULAs for video games. Oh, interesting. Um, most of the time you're not going to run into some of those issues, right? Um, but what makes the e-scooters really interesting is that it's kind of blurring this line between a software technology and, like, the very real world with real consequences that are associated with it. And so, you know, you see these highlights that talk about the difference between, you know, what do I do when... You know, I can ride on the sidewalk, but I'm not quite sure. Like, what is the user agreement? Should, you know, it should tell me what I should do. Right. And it really doesn't, right? It just says, follow the law, but kind of look out for these sidewalks. Right. right? And we don't owe you anything. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, like, we're not responsible for anything that happens, you know. And so, especially with e-scooters, what I think is so fascinating about this mm -hmm. is it is it's almost a physical embodiment of the problem of the end-user license agreement. Sure. That you have potentially somewhere between a 50 and 100-page document. Sure. You're using an e-scooter presumably because you want to get somewhere quickly. Yes. Which means you almost definitely don't have time to read the like novella of legalese right. that you have to interact with in right. that situation. As an advocate for a user, right. how can you possibly make that interface like easier for, for a user? And so that's what our lab is trying to work on now and what we've been working on for the past few years is how do we answer that particular question? Like how do we make this interaction um, how do we streamline it in a way that's going to be best for users? And so we're working on applications that will help with that. Um, ideas from uh, let's do it in a very situational context where you know I perform some action um, and I get a notification that says, "Hey, you're about to do this. Here's what you're actually what you agreed to, just to give you a, a heads up." Um, things like that to you know let's essentially chunk uh, the important parts of this EULA take it out of the legalese, translate it into ways that are going to be easily accessible for any user that comes to it. 
Um, and we can have that run kind of in the background or have it run before you even look at the thing. So you get kind of this like this cliff notes uh, of the user agreement. But, you know, that's kind of our what our lab tries to do is make that interaction much more efficient for a user, especially when you're dealing with something like the scooters or the e-scooters where you're right. There is no time. Right. Like I don't have the time to sit there and look through the thing. So, you know, we're we're researching and doing what we can. But. We want to make sure that we're trying to advocate for the user experience that people are going to have, not just with the technology, but even with the rules that they're actually agreeing to. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. Which seems like there's a one of the difficulties of that is that there's actually a bunch of stakeholders involved in that. Mm -hmm. So that if your end user agreement says, hey, follow the laws or else it's not up to us, right. but the laws are changing. Right, right. Then... And so that's another thing you'll see in these user agreements is that It'll say you're agreeing to this user agreement as well as anything that comes afterwards, right? So you're responsible for keeping on top of the updates, et cetera, that are coming out. Um, and oftentimes, you know, we don't have time to worry about that. Like, you know, I'm on a scooter. I'm just like, <laughs> I need to get somewhere. I'm not. It's oftentimes user agreements feel like um, almost like a paywall, but there's no money associated with it, right? right so it's just right. like, it's just another obstacle I have to get over in order to do what I want actually want to do. And we're trying to break people kind of of that initial knee-jerk reaction, right? Um, and so sometimes we'll do work that's like, oh, let's talk about some of the things that pop up that you don't know you're agreeing to, right? For example, with user-generated content. Not your content once you put it on uh, something like uh, EA Games, right? Well, right. So like if you record um, a highlight footage, like you're playing NBA 2K and, you know, you do your thing and you, you know, you embarrass your friend because you played so well against him, right? Right. You record that. EA could technically take that, uh, or EA or take two, actually, uh, could take that and do whatever they want with it. Will they? Probably not, right? But because of the agreement that you agreed to, um, that's a, something that could happen. But you could Im I could imagine a situation in which somebody does something like uh, unexpected or comical whatever in a game and then it becomes like a YouTube sensation. Exactly, exactly. And then, but that content actually doesn't belong to the person who created right, the content right, in that right, situation. Right, right, And so there's this weird intellectual property, you know, um, law that's coming into play, right? But a lot of it gets handled through the user agreement. Initially, when you sign off on it, um, in some cases, you know, the organization that you're agreeing with may not own the content, but they can still manipulate it, adapt it in whatever ways that they see fit. Man, uh, so this is a this is a question I have because this is this is one of the arguments that places like Google and Facebook tend to put forward in mm -hmm. these sorts of situations um, that they are self-regulating in ways that don't require additional regulation and are more flexible and more responsive than the kind of bureaucra bureaucratic approach to these same kinds of interactions sure, with sure. you know uh, the general public. Sure. Is. Is that a smokescreen? Like, I, I'm, I'm never quite sure. Like, right. Because in some ways, I, I, like, I look at our government, right. and I think, oh, yeah, you know, it does seem like uh, a company would be more able in shifting these terms like, somewhat agile. unilaterally. Right. Yeah, agile would be the, mm -hmm. the, right, the right term. But on the other hand, it's so clear in the last couple of years, the way that f a company like Facebook has exploited sure. uh, public trust. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess I'm kind of asking where you, where you come down on... The, the sort of aggregate good of these things? So I think I tend to agree with your point, right? Um, these organizations can be a bit more agile. I mean, like I said earlier, the thing to keep in mind is that these organizations through a user agreement are trying to protect themselves, right? right. Um, 
what we I think where I land on it is these agreements because they involve the user and affect the user in very direct ways as some of the stories we were talking about earlier you know exemplify um, they we have to put pressure back on them to say are you really looking out for the users that you're actually working with um, especially when you're dealing with something like an e-scooter again that blurs the line between technology and the real the real quote-unquote world right right um, Things that you agree to via us, an application have dramatic effects on what happens to your body, what happens to the space uh, that you're moving around in, etc. So I think where I land on it is, um, I'm not sure, right? Like I, <laughs> <laughs> That's why I land on it. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think um, Brian Larson, who, who started this lab, is probably a better person to answer that kind of thing because he has a law background. Um, but for me, it's most important... Um, one of the goals of the Rural Lab is to try and push back a bit more, right? Um, and say, no, this shouldn't be a document that is strictly for the benefit of the producer of a technology. Mm -hmm. uh, it should also be inclusive of, uh, inclusive and accessible uh, for the users that it's really meant for, right? Um, and I think if we let people know about what's going on uh, in some of these user agreements, make it, aware, make it uh, something that they even stop for a second to think about, I think that's better than blindly agreeing to things that you don't quite understand, right? right. Without any kind of uh, critical lens whatsoever. I guess, uh, so my question, have you used an e-scooter? So I actually have not used an <laughs> e-scooter. Um, <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't want to sign away your soul. No, no. So, and that's the thing, when you start thinking about these user agreements like this in the way that, you know, we're talking about them right now even, it'll give you pause when you're presented with one, right? Mm -hmm. And I'll be the first to admit that in a lot of instances, I'll be like, it says, you know, do you agree or do you disagree with this user agreement? And I'll look at it and I'll just click agree. But there's even a guilt for me as I'm going through that because I'm like, that's not right. Like, that's not the what I should have done, right? Mm -hmm. I should have been very aware of what I was agreeing to. Um, but, I mean, if you don't agree, what strikes me as particularly problematic about all this is, if you don't agree, there's not a third option. Like, you can't, like, highlight something or flag something. No. And, like, th there's no simple, like, reporting back to the company. There's, right. Other than if they are protected, it seems to be working. Right. It doesn't seem like there's any, like, user interaction. Right. Over there's, this particular aspect of there's, the... There's not, and that's, that's part of the problem, right? Um, it's an obstacle you have to get over. Um... The organizations that produce these EULAs have all of the power when it comes to actually that interaction. Um, and I think the only way that we kind of shift that dynamic a bit more in the direction or in favor of the people who actually consume uh, technology is by making them aware of some of the things that they're actually agreeing to without understanding. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Man, I thought about this. I know this is a, this is a slight side tangent, yeah. but it was, it was frustrating uh, the other day. My wife is a film professor. Mm -hmm. And she was using this uh, this streaming service called uh, Filmstruck. Okay. And that had all these, like, the Criterion Collection, all these classical movies. It's sure. very useful for her because she can have her students use it, and then they can watch classical films in class. Sure. It was owned, I think, ultimately by HBO. Okay. And they canceled the service. But Hulu, Amazon, and Netflix don't have access to those films. Right. Which means this suddenly... 
Gone. Just gone. Yep. Like, all of that content is inaccessible right. suddenly. And, and you could imagine a similar kind of thing. I saw a story in MySpace the other day. Right. Where they've, it seems like MySpace is just dumping everybody's information from, like, between 2005 and 2010 or yep. something like this. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, like, it's, there's, we don't own anything anymore. Undoubtedly, you agreed to that in you, when you said, I agree to that user agreement. They can cancel service at any point that they seem that it's relevant or it's it's actually necessary. So you don't have any control over that. Okay. Well, then this is this is the question that we always ask uh, towards the end of the show, and I always like to, to pose it to the people who who we come with, which is: uh, Is this technology sort of leading us towards apocalypse or utopia? <laughs> Insofar as right, uh, and and maybe if I can lay this out a little bit, you can agree or disagree with yeah. this formation. The, the utopian ideals, I've, I've heard a lot of kind of TED Talk type uh, uh, speeches on share economies and kind of post-money economies sure. and the use of, of always being able to like participate in a gig economy or something like this. Mm-hmm. This idea that we're moving past uh, the certain kinds of top-down mechanisms and we're getting to more kind of horizontal interactions between various kinds of users where you don't need to go into a store to get an e-scooter right. or check something out, but rather it's just available to you. Sure. You can just interact with these instantly. things instantly. And to some degree, certainly the amount of times I see undergrads using it, it seems like it is serving an existing need sure. in the community, um, obviously <laughs> in problematic ways. Mm-hmm. So if you're saying, well, the utopian version of this is like we all walk around and everything is accessible and everything is easy and everything kind of flows and everything is kind of girded by these underlying trust agreements. Uh, and the apocalyptic version of this <laughs> would be basically none of us own a- anything. None of us, we've all kind of bargained away our rights and souls implicitly or explicitly sure. uh, without even knowing about it. Right. Um, and the the powers that be will only get more powerful. Mm-hmm. Um where do you fall on this? If if ten is utopia and zero is apocalypse, where do you where do you fall on this spectrum? Um, you mean with technology in general? With end user license agreements. With end user in license agreements. With this topic. <sighs> I'd say you said zero is the the apocalypse, right? Yeah. I'd say somewhere around like a four. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the reason is is. Oftentimes, these organizations aren't looking out for the best interests of the people that that are using and consuming their technologies, right? Um, And that's evidenced in the way that user agreements are presented. That's evidenced in the way that they're written. Um, And because of that, if we're not careful, we will start doing things like that. Uh, Something like, I I agree, becomes a meme where it's just like, oh, yeah, like, of course, that's what everybody does, right? Right. But that's dangerous thinking. I mean... um, these organizations are controlling everything that uh, has to do with your interaction with their technology, um, and they're doing it subtly because mm-hmm. you hit I agree. I think what, at the end of the day, that I would want people to do is to take just a few seconds even to think about, well, what actually what's actually going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, part of the work of our lab is trying to streamline what those what you can do with those few seconds right things like indemnification things like user generated content um one of the applications that we're trying to work on is um a system where you could click on what's important to you right maybe what's really important to you is what are they going to do with my content if i put it up there what are they going to do with my my data right Mm -hmm. we click through these various things that are important to you and we'll search we'll crawl the eula for you to pull that information out right and so that way instead of looking through 
you know, a 60-page EULA, you might be looking through two pages or if even a few paragraphs even, right? Right. Um, and if that's what's important to you, more power to you. You've just made the first step uh, to push us from a four maybe to like a five or or a 4.3 or you know something along those lines but the point is at least you're taking the second to break through that initial habit of saying i agree and just moving on right it's not an obstacle um and it shouldn't be viewed as as an obstacle this is a legit document um that's controlling quite a bit of the activity that you're engaging in um i think we just want people to be aware of that before they hit i agree Excellent. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> David, this was lovely. Thank you yeah. so much for taking the time to stop by. Yeah, I appreciate coming in here, man. All right. Uh, wow. Yeah. Well, so uh, I'll say a couple things about this. One is, um, you know, I went, I, I, I've been a little coy about my own uh, awareness of EULAs. I actually have to acknowledge that I have, I have, written or at least been a been a party to writing eulas on any number of occasions i feel like this is like the uh the um uh in full transparency thing i've met some eulas yeah i know some eulas (laughs) there are eulas out in the world that i've been party to creating yeah Um, i'm i am working with eulas right now yeah (laughs) exactly so i have you some of my best friends are eulas um So, so um, you know, I, I t- take kind of my thoughts on this a little bit with, with a grain of salt in terms of um, I've produced them and sort of see that there's a lot of value in them, or at least there's a lot of uh, purpose and reason to them and why they exist. So, and this is what I this is what um, I wanted to ask, yeah, because I feel like in this way it's not really like Faust Faust in some ways sees like medicine and law and divinity as these kind of useless things and he wants more but that doesn't seem like uh, my agreeing to an itunes license agreement you know end user agreement is not because like i feel like my life is empty (laughs) it's it's just i I mean helpful well i guess but i mean i do think this question of like you know i think we 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 pillory and demonize um demonize (laughs) (laughs) nice um, a lot of our tech companies right now they've kind of we've kind of gone we've kind of gone from one polarity to the other where those tech companies started off with almost like they're promising us you know heaven they're promising us like a utopian vision of what tech can suddenly accomplish mm-hmm. and now we're re- and now we've suddenly feel like they're they've actually you know pulled out the rug and what we're getting is kind of this hell of data privacy issues and and you know you know rampant manipulation and data mining and all this kind of stuff and we we feel like we've gone from one extreme to the other and i think it's really worth pointing out that what we're really doing is ending up in the middle somewhere yeah and this seems like it's also part of the faustian conceit right like that you're either agreeing to the devil or the angel that there's not uh that when you make such an agreement you were always necessarily kind of part of this uh uh slippery slope towards heaven or hell and that that, that right. that's mischaracterizing it you would say yeah i absolutely i mean i so i what i think is interesting about the tech world is is and what i think is very true to the faustian metaphor in this case is that so many of these tech founders did come in with i think the mindset of faust which is i'm not satisfied with the small change that i can make in the world um, the small positive things that I can do, especially if you're thinking about tech 
um, founders as being really smart people who could be out there helping mid-sized, big companies, even small companies, nonprofits, whatever, do something on an individual scale or on a small scale. Like I can come in and help this company do something better and I can help my community around me and this and this community of people who are all a part of this company. So many tech founders, what they're doing is they're coming in and say, I want to create a tool or I want to create a system that is um, exciting to everybody, that is that is that that changes the world, that affects all organizations, affects all people. Um, and it's like they're not they're not satisfied with helping their their little slice of the earth they want the, the to affect the whole earth um but that but behind that is this real desire for i think for most tech founders that i've i've either talked to or have heard be interviewed you can hear the yearning for for making i think a positive impact like i don't think anybody goes in as like you know they're not captain planet villains where they're like just looking to like throw sewage into the uh you know, into the waterways. Um, and I think the all this other stuff follows upon it because of the deals that are made. Mm. Um, so, so I think I start there, which is like, I think when we vilify tech in general, we're missing kind of the the other impulse that I think Faust, cat, you know, Faust embraces, which is actually the desire to heal more people, to help more people, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, and it depends on your reading of Faust. I mean, like, he, he's also maybe just you know, kind of existentially greedy. But yes, <laughs> I get the, the basic point that medicine isn't enough, law isn't enough, religion isn't enough, that somehow, you know, we're going to move fast and break things. Um, but then the end right. user license agreement, that's sort of, that's like us agreeing to let them do that? Is that what that is? Yeah, well, exactly. And I think the, yes. And uh, yeah, the, the, the place where this gets flipped a little bit is, you know, so they're trying to give us, the the deal seems to be, from 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 Faust's side, I want to be able to. Do, I want all these, all the success, all this impact, all these riches, um, and but then I give up my soul later. Now we're we're starting to rely on tech companies in general to to deliver us things like scooters that just sort of are fabricated out of the air, <laughs> and we pay a fraction of the cost to be able to get from one place to another, and maybe never have to use it again. So they've so in almost all cases around tech, the thing that we are gifted in the short term is so much like so much less cost to us than it would be if we had to access that resource directly. And that also includes not just us individually, but also to society as a whole. Like we don't have to pay taxes so that um, scooters end up on our streets. And this whole vision of the world where people are just they, they, you know, like you, it's almost like a Jetsons thing. Somebody walks down the street and then steps onto a little thing and then it like shoots them forward speedily and then they step off and they just keep going about their day. It's like this is this vision that we have of, um, of a transformed world, of a world that is brought to us by technology and by the future. And you do feel like it's almost this, it's just this repeat of this 1950s vision of, of the future. The future or the, the future, or a 16th century right? vision because that's in the Faust Eula as well. I want it to be invisibly ready for me whenever and that's weirdly right. like the infrastructure of the scooter system where it's like all right i want to be able to walk outside and there and someone's just put this thing here this device for right. me exactly but but and we're not really paying for it individually right we're but what we are paying for is this idea like we're not we're, because we're not paying taxes because the government is not delivering this to us because we have decided that the people that the people or the institutions that will be providing this resource to us are not 
are, are not going to be our democratically elected representatives mm-hmm. or, or for that matter, our fascistly empowered <laughs> representatives. I mean, I, you know, this, we don't need to only talk about democracy here. Um, but because we are, because that's not who we've enfranchised in all sorts of uh, Rousseau type ways of the, the government works for us. Um, there's a different party that is stepping in and delivering us the future, right? Delivering us all these resources, and that party is private companies, right? And those private companies function on a very different set of almost like um, physics than what the government does, right? There's there's a metric, or there's 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 a way in which you apply accountability to government, and it's you know it's, at least in the d- democratically elected government is voting, right? So mm-hmm. government fails to de- live up to its standards. Uh, you vote them out, and that's the accountability metric. But like, companies don't have that, right? Right. That's not something that exists there. So when a company messes up, what is the accountability that you apply? And the accountability that applied at a company level is well, you sue them, you take them to court, or something like that. And that's and 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 so their the EULA is essentially their def, their either their defense or at least their their quantification of that risk. They say we are going we are going to tell you that we are going to be held accountable for this, right? And you can if we don't deliver on that, you can sue us. But if we're going to deliver the future to you, it's not a blank check for you to like sue us on any single thing that like that wasn't delivered when you what you thought should be involved with this future, mm-hmm. right? And you know, I don't have to sign a EULA when I get on to the DC Metro and go from one place to another. It's like, no, I, I, I pay taxes and with taxes comes my enfranchisement as a voter. And we, you know, whether that's a, whether people believe that's a useful system or not, that is the system. There's no EULA involved with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but companies, companies have this other way of limiting, you know, their risk, but also, but also in some ways making a promise about what this is. EULAs are, EULAs, anytime you create a document that has accountability associated with it, it's also a, a, a promise. Like, you should hold us accountable in these ways, but but only to these degrees. So they might come across as shirking responsibility, but they're also coming across as quantifying responsibility. And those two things, I think, are um, just something to keep in mind when you're thinking about them. Now, I think what David brings up is, but a lot of these are, are, are not written in a way that really... Um, exposes that and it really helps people understand that deal yeah yeah quite quite the opposite it seems like uh that's that's the way companies look to have their cake needed too is to both be responsible be unresponsible and also be generally unaccountable to the vast majority of their users right Right, right, exactly, and you know, and I, and they go back to this Faustus idea. It does feel a little bit like companies are essentially, um, they're making the deal with the devil, but the the souls that are actually kind of at stake at the end of it feel like they're going to be us, not, <laughs> not, not the company. <laughs> I don't like this deal. Yeah, exactly. Tell you what. I want the power to make all this change, become fabulously wealthy and celebrated across the world, and in 24 years, take all their souls. Yeah. It is sort of the, at least the, the public feeling of what seems not fair. Um, that being said, every picture I've seen of uh, Mark Zuckerberg recently definitely feels like some part of his soul has been sucked out wow. of his body. <laughs> yeah, man. That guy, who knows? I don't know. He started a podcast. I'm going to give it a listen. <laughs> See exactly. if I can gain any yeah. insights. 
R- ramp it up for a second. Boop, All right. There we go. All right. Apocalypse or Utopia? Um, yeah, so, so I'm, I, you know, you guys were both a little, uh, you guys were on the, on the apocalyptic side. I'm going to go back to a point I just made, which is, um, yeah, it's not great. It certainly seems to be unfair that it seems like our souls are being bartered for other people's, like, for other people's enrichment and empowerment. Um, (laughs) that does seem to be the most unfair thing. (laughs) (laughs) So, but aside from that, no, but... (laughs) But, I, you know, I think it's just, you know, I think you do this all the time, which is uh, you always use the term prelapsarian, which I had no idea what it was until you uh, um, had to explain to me like six or seven times. But this idea that there was this time before when companies um, when companies were so so benign and benevolent. Right, and, right. And, and when governments or, or, took care of the needs of the citizens completely in ways that ex- made them exactly. not need corporations. Exactly. And, you know, I, years ago, I worked with this organization called Highlander uh, Folk School or Highlander Research and Education Center. It was originally Highlander Folk School. Um, and they actually started off the organization. They did a lot in the civil rights movement, but they started off um, actually as labor rights. And so uh, they you looked at the labor rights movement of the early 20th century. And it's like, oh, like the government and companies were kind of kind of working together to essentially kind of mass abuse American citizens like they're, mm. they're just like they were like machine gunning people on strike yeah right like this 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 wasn't there wasn't this time when when this wasn't always a point of tension like what is the government what is the what is business getting out of the people and what are people getting from government you know from business and and where is government sitting in all of this um, and the EULA to me represents a different kind of contract where before there was kind of this, there was this really hidden deal where immigrants are going to come think that the streets are paved with gold and then end up, you know, working in Upton Sinclair's, um, you know, meat processing plants. Um, and instead we're now like, no, now you're going to get a carefully worded document tucked into a technology application that tells you where things stand between you and the company. And while that still feels pretty manipulative and still feels, um, you know, not necessarily how we want the world to be, um, God, it's a lot better than getting machine gun just because you want to, like, have a pay raise. So you're, you're pretty utopic on this then. I just think, I, I think I'm still positive on what technology companies can bring to the game. And if this is the way that w- th- that this you know, contract literally is going to be negotiated. I feel like at least it's more explicit. And then you take work that like David's doing. And I think you throw that in there and you start trying to say that should be the standard by which this is done. Um, you might get some uptake on that. And, and at least we're in negotiation, which is, um, you know, miles ahead of where we were a hundred years ago. So in that world, I'm going to give it a, a, a soft six saying that nobody likes contracts, but at least, um, especially not one way, one-sided contracts, but at least there's something written now. Yeah. You should see what the devil used to do. 
yeah <laughs> exactly exactly we yeah let's look at look look at medieval morality plays and, <laughs> and you'll see a totally different devil operating there faust got a great deal relatively speaking yeah at least he got he got a good 24 year run in there exactly most people like have one moral slip up and end up in the fire it's true it's true if you ever look at every man the morality play that guy oh my god doesn't yes. even necessarily have a great time <laughs> yeah i mean if we, we don't even need to explain it went on this pod who listens to us knows exactly what every man is so yeah yeah but uh <laughs> yeah or later I, on medieval <laughs> medieval morality plays that, that pod is gonna drop hot <laughs> exactly exactly awesome well, right. uh, well, this is good. I think we solved it. I think we got it. I think we got it. I think there was only a certain amount of soapboxing on this one, so we'll uh, <laughs> we'll we'll try to make it more dialogue based next time. Excellent. Well, rate us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast, and uh, look yes, forward. to We'll try to us, come back uh, uh, quicker than six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you later, Darren. All right. Love you. Love you too, man. Bye. Bye.